Turn with me to the book of Jude, please. The book of Jude. One little chapter. We have spent some weeks on, a, on this before recently, on having and having not the Spirit. We can still call it that if you want. I haven't actually got a title. I've just had a few thoughts, and I want to just bring them out to you. Um, didn't realize that, especially that last course, Gary, you were going to sing that, oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear, replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. I didn't know Gary had that. And he says to me this morning, and when we went up to the prayer room, we're going to have a time of prayer, he says, I feel uh, there's more of a, a softness in the spirit, in the spirit I'm going to lead us straight into worship rather than a, a fast-paced praise uh, course and I says well you know the Lord's been dealing with me just to have it this way this morning also so we feel this is for every heart this morning every one of us the epistle of Jude verse 18 but ye beloved or divinely loved ones take note but ye beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying, praying in the Holy Ghost keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference in others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, even, even hitting the garment spotted by the flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your spirit and your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we love you and we worship you. There's none like you and we want to exalt you. But Lord, even your word tells us that in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. And so Lord, even as your spirit is moving in quietness, even and in confidence in your people, we pray, Lord, that you would have free course that every heart would be turned to you, that every heart would be open to you, and that the Lord Jesus would be loved, that he would be loved by every person under the sound of this word. There's none like you. We adore you. Glorify your name, Lord. For Jesus' sake, Father, we ask it. Amen. You remember when we did bring the, the series Having and Having Not the Spirit, and it actually came from verse 19 of the little epistle of Jude, and these be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. Then into the next verse, it says in verse 20, but ye beloved, it means ye, but you, the divinely loved ones, but you, the divinely loved ones. And many Christians don't realize that they are divinely loved. In other words, God has set his love on you. And that love will never be removed. Sometimes we fail to realize just how much he loves us. And when we're reading in this 
uh, little epistle, notice what he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice, holy faith, Holy Ghost. In other words, the faith that you have been given is exactly that. It's imparted faith. There's nothing in a man or in a woman who, that ever wanted Christ. Isaiah 53 even tells us that. You couldn't love him of yourself. I couldn't love him of mine own self. There's nothing in you personally, in any man or woman, there's nothing in us that ever wanted him. Turn with me to Isaiah 53 for a, a quick look at this. Let your eye run down, please. The verse 3, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he is despised and rejected of men. They didn't want him even when he was walking in their midst. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He is despised, and we esteemed him not. You can see how no one wanted him of their own selves. None could actually say of any of us here this morning, I chose Jesus. Not one of us can say that. But rather, Jesus chose you. He chose you. You were given to him from before the foundation of the world. The Father looking through eternity, seen you, knew you, and gave you to his Son in eternity. He knew that when Christ would be here on the earth, he would be rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we would, we hid as it were our faces from him. He would be despised and we would esteem him not. And yet the Father knew your life and who you were and I was. And he gave you before you were even born. He knew that you would be given to his son. It was already ordained in eternity, but it happened in time. That is, in the time you were saved. So here we have, you cannot love the Lord of yourself. Not having the Spirit means you can't have love for Christ. You can't generate thoughts That is, we can generate wicked thoughts and evil thoughts and thoughts about the stories we have heard, maybe in Sunday school or not, or whatever we have heard. And we can generate thoughts in that sense, but we can't generate thoughts of our own selves to come to Christ, to yield to Christ, and to give ourselves to Christ. You cannot do it. It's impossible for a man, because a man and a woman, we're all dead in our trespasses and in our sins, we're told. And the very first time you and I had a thought, that is a thought that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, to come to Christ, to bow the knee, to yield our will to His, to come under the fountain of blood, that is the shed blood on Calvary's cross. The very first time you thought that was not of yourself, but of the Holy Spirit. You cannot think these things of your own self, but it must be of the Spirit. 
So there's men came into the church, as we told you before, and they were like the modernist preachers today who don't believe in Christ's miraculous life and his virgin birth and all those beautiful things around his wonderful life. And here Judas saying, these are men not having not the, or having not the Spirit. They're trying to destroy the church from the inside. They were a fifth column that had come in, trying to destroy the faith that had once been delivered unto the saints. And that's what happens, brothers and sisters, because when we listen to, the, to those who are negative about the things of the Spirit, it's because they haven't the Spirit. And there are fifth column who try to destroy the moving of the Spirit in the midst of the church. Here he says this in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Notice that, keep yourselves in the love of God. And we want to look at this this morning because we touched on it briefly when we did our series last month on it. But when he's saying keep yourselves in the love of God, what exactly does he mean? How do we do that? Does it mean keep knowing that God loves you? Well, if you know the word and you have the spirit, you'll know God loves you. But rather, it means more than that. It brings human responsibility, your responsibility, mine. It brings human responsibility into a covenant relationship with God. And the human responsibility this morning of you and me is this, to keep yourself. And yet you're not keeping yourself. Now, that sounds like a, a contradiction, but let me explain this. You keep yourself here. The word keep means to watch, to attend to carefully, and to guard. To watch, to attend to carefully, and to guard. In other words, it means watch your love life. Watch your relationship. Watch your walk. Here, the Lord came to the disciples, the risen Lord in John chapter 21, and he says to Peter, who had denied him three times, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? The Lord didn't say to Simon, who had failed him, he didn't say, do you love me more than the church He looked at his friends. He looked at uh, the fishing boats. He looked at all of it and he says, do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me more than the things that you knew in the past, the fishing? For he said, I go a fishing and he's away fishing when Christ came. He says, Simon, do you love me? He didn't say, Simon, are you so dreadfully, desperately sorry Christ knew the heart. And Simon Peter had went out that night and wept bitterly. And the idea is he wept and he wept and he wept and he wept and he wept as though he could never or would never stop weeping. And it's, it's that part of our, our, our 
Christian life and walk that many of us have lost because it seems so easy to step out of Christ and then, as it were, to step into Christ. It nearly gets to the point where we, we have no re- reality of Christ outside the church house, outside the four walls and the roof that we're under. We seem to have no reality of it. Of him, I should say. That even at home or at work or wherever, do we have a reality of Christ? In other words, is he alive in your heart as much when you're at home or at work or wherever as much as he is when you're in the church house? Is he the same to you there as he is here? Do you know, the devil will never really attack you in a revival meeting. When we're together, the devil doesn't really attack. He may send a, a, a thought. He may send something that'll be like an arrow to, to pierce you a bit. But he'll never really attack you in a revival meeting. Do you know when the devil makes his, his full attack? when you're like those animals you see in a wildlife program and they're straying out on their own, uh, roaring lions, roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. He, he, he catches you, as we would say, on the long grass. He gets you when you're out there on your own and really you have no reality. You have no reality in your own because you're so used to, well, churches where I meet Christ or, or churches where I get religious. And really it's not about meeting uh, Christ just in church or just about getting religious. It's about walking out your life with him. Wherever you are, wherever you're doing, it's about a walking, talking, living, breathing relationship with him where you're conscious of the reality of Christ no matter where you are. You're conscious of him. Conscious that he is with you, that he's in you, that he's for you and not against you. Conscious, even when we're going wayward, that he'll draw you back into the way. He says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Do you love me? Where's the lamp of your first love, Simon? Brother, sister, if, if the Lord Jesus walked in here fully robed up in his garments and he came and he looked us directly eyeball to eyeball, face to face, he looked at me and looked at you and says, where's the lamp of your first love? Where is the lamp of your first love? Well, what do you mean? Turn with me to the book of Revelation, please. Just across from Jude, Revelation, chapter 2. There's a little. Chapter 2 and the chapter 3 are the seven churches of Revelation. There are seven literal churches, seven church ages, if you want, as well, right up till today. The first is a church of Ephesians. And the last is the church of the Laodicean. We are at the Laodicean age of the church, the 
the latter day age, that's when the Lord is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. He's not saying that to the unsaved, yet we hear it all across the country in gospel meetings. He's saying it to the church. Christ is saying it to you this morning. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, can you hear my voice? I'm rapping your door. Can you hear it? I want to come in. I want to fellowship with you. I want us to have a relationship. I want to love you and you love me. I want to talk to you and you talk to me. Behold, he says, now look ye here. Don't miss me knocking your door. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the church before his return. That's the Laodicean church age. That's the church before Christ returns. That's today's church. Church, that's you and that's me. We're caught up with sport. We're caught up with television. We're caught up with comforts. We're caught up with riches and the need for plenty. We're caught up with it. Christ is put outside. Behold! I've been standing at the door of this church and knocking. If any man or any woman will hear my voice, listen, and open the door. You're always saying, Lord, open the door. The Lord said, no, you open the door. You open the door, Christian. Christian, in this year starting 2015, open the door. Open the door because he's been knocking a long time. You know when you're sitting and the Lord's going, come and pray. Come and get into my word. Come to my house and worship with my people. Come to a gospel service. Come to the Bible study and let me tell you my word. You know all those times? And you say, no, Lord, I'm keeping the door closed because there's a match on. I'm keeping the door closed, Lord, because if they go out and do something else. And the Lord is saying, I have been wrapping the door of your heart. I love you, but do you love me? He's saying. If any man will open the door, you open the door. You know what that means? You've got to get up. If someone comes to your door and rings your bell or raps your door and you're sitting in your living room, you don't just say, well, you might say, the odd one, a very good friend, you might shout, come on in, the door's open. But if your door's locked, you can't say, come on in, they're going, I can't get in, I can't get in. You've got to get up. You've got to walk across the room. You've got to go up the hallway. You've got to physically open the door and let him in. Invite him in. Come in. You're very welcome. Get around the table and you fellowship. 
problem is many of God's people have lost that. Lost it. Christ's fellowship has been lost at the expense of man's comfort and the things that man desires. It's been lost because of jobs. It's been lost because of family. It's been lost because of children. It's been lost because of sport. It's been lost because of many things. And even as the Spirit has spoken this morning, many of the grapes are withering on the vine. Many of the grapes are withering on the vine. He says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. And the fruit that we are to be producing is withering. Talking about the church universal when we look at it. You know why? Because Christ has been put outside for the riches and the pleasures and the sin of the world. For the loss of the flesh and the loss of the eye and for the pride of life. And you know what we say? Lord, you'll understand. This is where I get my fix. This is where, Lord, I get my release. At his expense, he doesn't understand. No, he doesn't. What Jesus says, if any man love, listen, mother or father more than me, he is not worthy of me. Listen, if any man love son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. me. Boy, not worthy if he's not first. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesian church is the first church. It was the young church. Paul wrote to this church. John pastored this church for a while. This church had a rich heritage. But notice, we'll not read all of it for time's sake, but the Lord says in verse 2, I know thy works in labor and thy patience. And he starts saying, I know the activity in the church. I know your programs. He's not saying there's anything wrong with that. He says, I know them. But notice what he says. Verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Jesus says that. I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. See the fire and the zeal of love you had at the start? You've left it. See the fire fire and the zeal of love that you had for me? There was nothing too great and there was nowhere too far away you wouldn't have went for me. You would have put everything to the side just to be in my presence. 
You'd have been everywhere just to be in my house. You'd have dropped everything. You'd have run home from work and you'd, you'd have got straight up and out. He says, but you know why? Because you fell out of love with me. That's why you stop it. You know, brothers and sisters, and I'm talking to myself first here now. God give us to me first. We can blame people. Now listen, we can blame people, we can blame pastors, we can blame anyone else or anything else on why we fall away from Christ. You can blame all you want, but the real reason that men and women fall away from Christ is this. You may get disheartened at times, you may have doubts at times, uh, they all come and they all go, but the real reason is this, is because you stopped loving him as you did at the first. You stopped loving him the way you used to. You left your first love. When we're indifferent and when we're cold and when men and women are backslidden, first thing is they need to look within. For the genes of Adam reside in us, the old man. And Adam said to God in the Garden of Eden, the woman that you gave me, he blamed everybody else but himself. And the moment you and I start to blame everybody else but ourselves, without looking inward, then we find we have fallen away far. Revival starts within you. You want to look for revival? Start it in here, in your own heart. For when you catch fire and revival catches you, someone else will see it. And another heart will catch fire. And you imagine if this whole assembly here went out of here this morning seeking the face of God all week and coming back here, we're having a meeting on Friday night at 7.30 and having a meeting here and coming back here and really seeking God for saying, Lord, we're opening the door that you're knocking that you would come in and fellowship with us. We wouldn't only change Donna Cloney. We could change Ulster. We could touch the British Isles. Listen, Why not the word? Why not the word? But revival starts in the heart when we love the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me to Matthew's gospel, please. Matthew chapter 22. And let your eye run down just to verse verse 38, please. Rather, let's go to verse 37. The Lord Jesus is asked, what is the first and great commandment? Verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you know what he's saying here? That in the ten commandments, the first four are between God and man. Your relationship with God. And from the next six 
is between you and your neighbor, your brothers and your sisters. So it's loving God, loving each other, taking from God, learning from God, obeying God first and then each other. That's where the commandments are. And he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's loving him, having a love for Jesus, for in him is the fullness of the law and the prophets. And having a love for Christ. Turn with me to Matthew 24 while we're here. The Lord Jesus is asked, he goes outside the temple. And he's asked to look at the temple and he's basically asked to give a critique on it. And the Lord starts talking about end times, the things at the end. And notice what he says here. He's up on the Mount of Olives. Let your eye run down for time's sake to verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Now, notice this. It doesn't say every. It says many. It says many. Notice what he's saying here. That even those who call themselves followers of the way, that's what they're called Christians before they were known as Christians, even they may be deceived by things that are happening. False Christs. Even there be wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We see it everywhere today, being in the Laodicean last church age period. We see it. And what happens? Now the church, the church body devour one another and start to hate one another. Not only outside the world, outside in the world, they hate one another. Now that's not off the spirit. We're talking about having or having not the Spirit. That's not having the Spirit. But notice what it says where we finished off here. And let your eye run down to verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What love for many? We're only after reading it in Matthew chapter 22. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, he's saying, because of iniquity, because of the way of the world, the cosmos this system of things on the earth where we live, because of the wickedness of the earth, the church starts to wane. God's people start to turn on each other. And the world looks at the church. 
Listen, what do I tell you something, brothers and sisters? I got a phone call from a relative of mine over Christmas time. And they're out having a meal. And they met someone, a pastor, his wife, and his two of his relatives, younger relatives. And their table was full of drink. Now my niece who I've been witnessing to for years says to me, so is it all right then if I say I'm a Christian and go on about my business? Just rubbish years of witnessing to my niece. Wine bubber, put it away. Put it away. Here, the, the iniquity is abounding. Iniquity is abounding. In other words, because it seems now with, we look at what's happening with even Asher's bakery here. We look at what's happening, the, the whole court case with it. Because they wouldn't uh, 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 make a cake that, that, uh, that promoted gay marriage. Iniquity is abounding. And you know what happens? Many of the Christians now, hot potato, everybody drop it and stand back. Instead of the Christians gathering together and saying, oh no, with one voice, we stand up for the name of the Lord and for the word of God. Instead of the Christians taking their stand, the love of many is waxing cold. Now if you love someone, you'll fight to the death for them. If you love someone, you'll stand up and go to prison for them. If you love someone, you'll, you'll put your head on the block for them. You'll work for them and you'll serve them. If you love someone, you'll be there for them. But Jesus says, all this iniquity will come at the last day. And the love of many shall wax cold. And my church will be so lethargic and lazy. And my church will be so cold. It'll be like trying to start your car in a cold morning. You can't get it going. Behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking, he says. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my word. I've given you authority. I've given you all you need. I've even give you all my love. What more do you want? And the carnal man and woman of the flesh say, well, I've something better to do. Do you know Thomas Watson said, the love is the only thing in which we can retaliate back to God with. I want to say it again. I want you to grasp it. When God speaks his word to you and I, God gives us a command. God brings his word to our hearts. We must yield ourselves to what his word is and says, but when God because God gave us his love, the only thing we can retaliate back to God with is to love him in return. We can't retaliate against the word of God or the will of God. 
but we can retaliate love with love. Lord, you love me, well, I'm going to love you back. You love me, I'm going to love you back. One of the greatest signs, I'm going to do maybe one more in this next week, but one of the greatest signs of a man and a woman having the Holy Ghost, it's speaking with other tongues, no, it's not. It may be initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's not a greatest sign of a man and woman having the Holy Ghost. The greatest sign of a man and a woman having the Holy Ghost is this, that he and that she loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Loves him. And they love God's people and others. So you want to see a man who's filled with the Spirit? Does he love the Lord? Does he love others? Do you want to see a man filled with the Spirit or a woman filled with the Spirit? That's what you'll see. That's what they'll look out for. And see if they're full of bitterness or they're full of this. Just depart from their company and follow on to know the Lord. God bless us this morning. God bless his word.